Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Genesis Science Fiction Radio Program, a service of the BlackScienceFictionSociety.com website. We are making our way through July. This is the 12th, uh, July 12th, 2019 edition. Um, I'm your host, William Hayashi. I always forget to even say who I am, but I'm used to living with me, so that's probably why. Tonight, we have uh, our my special guest is. <laughs> excuse me, a filmmaker, Lame Fobbs, and he's coming to us from Atlanta, and uh, why don't I get right into it and just welcome you to the show. Nice having you here, man. Man, the pleasure's all mine, man. I'm ready to get on here and just kind of chop it up with the audience and things like that, and it's a Friday night. I wouldn't. There's nothing else I'd rather be doing, man. So, now, see, now, you have just turned your life from exciting, filmmaking, know. you know, hot-stopping, <laughs> to something just very track to my life. That's what you just did. <laughs> hey, 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 it's a lot of those mundane days, man. People don't realize that, you know, on the on the film hustle, as, as we call it, you know, um, there, there, there's a lot of those mundane days on the way to something exciting, you know. Well, you know, and, and you're right. And the other thing, like for me, when I was younger, you couldn't pay me. You couldn't pay me to take a nap. Nowadays, sometimes I look at that couch and that couch is is calling me with that siren song, and and I'm gonna hit the couch and take that nap. So yeah, things do change, and I understand also how essential it is to have downtime when you are a creative because it gives you a chance to catch up with yourself, to make sure you're not missing anything, that you haven't overlooked things. So yeah, I could see where where downtime is is pretty darn valuable. Um, yeah, let's, man. Let's do this. Well, let's start out. Where Where did you grow up? Did you grow up in Atlanta? No, I grew up in Houston, uh, uh, back in Texas, actually. Uh, I, I grew up there uh, until I was about eight, uh, really about you know uh, twenty three, and then I left. I went to Texas A and M, um, so I went to do the uh, uh, work at different news stations, working as a sportscaster. Actually, believe it or not, um, at a small station in Mississippi and a small station in North Carolina. Basically, you know, um, I always wanted to be creative, but you know, I felt like news was maybe the perfect marriage. Of, okay, it feels like I'm doing something legit. My parents are happy, you know. But um, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of politics at those stations and things, and you know. Um, and, and 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 there's really not a you know a lot of room for that type of creativity. So um, wasn't making much. So I just figured you know let me just take a chance on it and go down to Atlanta. There's not much to lose. You know, I did that a few years ago, and uh, did a couple of web series, and um, then I did my first movie, Becky, um, which uh, which which is uh, probably the 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 biggest reason I'm here. We are we're here talking together, and so that that's just where we are right now. Just um. You know, I'm launching, you know, um, I've, I've launched my horror label, Frightbox Features, and people can go on there, get um, get our movie, get our short, and honestly, we're just getting started. Well, you know, it's kind of cool, you know, catching up with somebody at the very beginning of a career like that. I mean, I, I started in radio, uh, sad to say, 
um, during the bicentennial, 1976. That was when I got on the radio. And, oh, wow. um, well, I started doing public <laughs> affairs, you know, so, so it wasn't oh. even news. You know, I had to Ooh. do, like, a, a quick public affairs thing, and then I had to do the, uh, what do they call those? Oh, the, the, the PSAs, you know, the, the whatever, whatever that is. Yeah, 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 public service announcements, yeah. Don't, yeah, don't yeah, and then so, you know, like I will never re- forget, you know, uh, for more information, send to uh, so-and-so-and-so-and-so. Pueblo, Colorado, 81009. You know, there's some things that are just never going to go away because I started out with them so so many years ago. Um, but, I mean, for you to go from radio to to kind of movies is kind of cool. When did you when did you think about, you know, getting into film? I mean, first of all, you're, you're still young. You know, you're, you've still got, um, you know, a lot of stuff, a lot of years ahead of you. So, so tell us a little bit how you made that transition. Was it, was it like a big thing, like you jumped in and said, well, this is going to be a lot more creative than reading the news and sports, or, or was it, you know, did you always have an affinity? Did you, like when you were growing up, were movies big to you? Well, you know, I, I would say it was a gradual approach. It was a gradual walk up to making a leap, you know, um, okay. when I was in school. So, you know, even when I was in school, um, you know, I, I've written different scripts, you know, high school, college, all the time. But, again, you know, just um, letting people talk me into thinking that it wasn't something viable, it wasn't something that I could do, you know. So I just kind of backed off of it and I'd always dabble with it, taper with it. You know, and, again, I think what pushed me uh, just, just to do it, just to go just to go all in was just, you know, just that feeling of, you know, is is this all that was the best for me? You know, I can remember being there in North Carolina. I was in New Bern, North Carolina, if anyone knows what that is, on the coast. It's very beautiful. But, um, you, uh-huh. know, I, you know, I was like, you know, like 25, and I was just thinking, you know, is this what I really want to do? Do I want to be 35, 45, still here, isolated from all of my friends back home and stuff like that? that that's kind of what the newscasting and all that stuff is. So I decided that I wanted to just take a lot of that into my own hands. and um. And so, you know, I went down to Atlanta and, like I said, did, did, a web, did two web series, which I really enjoyed. And, you know, I, 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 I picked the horror genre because I, I've always loved it. My dad would have me, you know, we watch, we would watch those uh, back when AMC would show, like, the really old, like, Frankenstein and Dra- Dracula, like, the old classic movies. I don't think yeah, they showed it anymore. Yeah, Swamp Thing and mean, stuff yeah, like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, now they do a Walking Dead marathon on Halloween probably. But, you know, um, I was there. Um, you know, I, I remember growing up watching those. And Jason, he liked that. That was one of his favorites. And so, I just got into <laughs> it from there. <laughs> you know, there. And um, and so I, I I I just wanted to jump in and just make a horror movie. You know, um, just with some characters that I think would be uh would be relatable to people that I know and things like that. And and you know that that's brought me to where I am right now. And so it's 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 a roundabout way of saying that it's it's just been this creep up to you know last year jumping in and making your own movie and going through everything when it goes wrong, but uh, still coming out on top with the product. So it's been fun. Yeah. I mean, did you write the script? I did. I wrote, produced, directed it. Man, one-man show. Um, and, yeah, man. And, and so um, you you obviously, I mean, with the background, you know, doing stuff with your dad, stuff like, I mean, I, I had a similar background. My dad was a sci-fi fan. 
So in his study, he had, you know, hundreds of books. And, you know, I grew up reading those. So, yeah, I, you know, parents can be a good influence. I'm a little surprised, though. I mean, now, did you, get, did you have support from your, your folks when you said you wanted to make a movie? Because a lot of parents, when they hear something like that, they go, no, 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 why don't, why don't, you, why don't you do something that makes you some money so that you don't go hungry? I mean, what, kind, what, what level of support did you get from the people uh, around you? know. <laughs> I mean, it was a mixed bag. You know, we had the people who said it couldn't be done. Um, right. We had, you know, my, my people close to me, you know, I, I think they feel like it's a crazy idea, you know, to make black horror movies. I think I think it is something, you know, a lot of people will immediately say either, oh, that's Get Out, or, oh, you talked to Tyler Perry. You know, that that's those are some of the other reactions I've gotten. So, you know, and and I think when those times happen, because it'll it's gonna happen to anybody, because that that's making something new that we haven't seen before. I mean, you know, you're gonna get all sorts of different reactions, and I think it's it's at that moment you really have to center yourself and say, you know, this is why I'm here. This is what has brought me to this moment. This is why I want to do this, and this is who I want to do it for. You know, uh-huh. um, I, I, yeah. I, I was watching something interesting. It was with uh, Matthew Knowles, the father of Beyonce, and he was he was saying that, you know, just um, whatever you're trying to do. or He was talking more about business, but I think it could be applied to anything. You know, your who, your what, and your why. So who are you, who are you making whatever or why, who are you doing whatever you're doing for, what are you doing, and the why. And I think if you're grounded in that, that'll help you navigate all the different type of reactions. Because if, if you can name a reaction, I've had it, you know. But um, but again, I think that's what's really kept me centered and just to where I am now. And and so, <clears throat> you know, it sounds essentially like you're self-taught. It doesn't sound like you went to you know, obviously you didn't go to a film school, did you, or anything like that? No, I went to um again, you know, uh, Texas A and My degree is actually in communication and um, uh, um, communication media studies, which is actually really good, I think, because um. You know, you you have to be able to communicate as a group if you're going to make these movies. You know, I think that's why a lot of them fall apart, just um, not that strong communication. So I always try to emphasize that, and I think that's why we have a high completion rate. You know, that I, I haven't started a project that I haven't finished. If I, if we are there shooting, we're, we finish it. You know, I, and, and I think a big reason for that is because, you know, our communication and just some, some of the things I got there with that. But as far as, like, traditional, like, you know, NYU, Tisch, and all that stuff, I, I don't I don't have that. I don't have a degree from in there or any of those plug-ins from, you know, people there. The the closest I've gotten to Tisch, um, a friend invited me to Sundance in January, and there was a purple Tisch hat, the beanie, that um, mm-hmm. they were giving away at this party that he got us into, and so I just had it. And apparently I was getting invited into places where I, I wasn't supposed to be, but I had a Tisch hat. Everyone thought I was this amazing film major from NYU. So it's like, hey, I, I kind of rode that wave. But um, no, no, I'm just, a lot of it's just self-taught. A lot of it, YouTube University, trial and error, and just, you know, getting with other like-minded people. Well, you know, there's nothing wrong with sneaking in the side door. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah, the, not at all, I, man. I think, I think a lot of people assume that you have to, you have to go to film school or you have to have X knowledge in order to do something. And, and, you know, there are a lot of people who are creative enough and facile enough to work on their feet. Um, you know, <clears throat> I've told the, the story before. I'm not going to tell the whole story. But for me, I, I, I had to write my first script 
for the, and it was during the 48-hour film project. You're familiar with that, right? Yeah, yeah, I love 48-hour film project. Yeah. I and, did and one so, uh, last year. Yeah, so what happened was I was asked to come along and help write because I was a novelist and I did short stories. I didn't know right. anything about a script. I didn't know anything about the format. I knew nothing. <clears throat> so we pull our genre. We go back to where we're supposed to meet everybody, and the guy who's supposed to be the script writer was an actor and didn't know how to write Jack. And I had, I, honest to God, I had a nervous breakdown. I had a real nervous breakdown, lasted, you know, hour or so. And then finally I just kind of had to buckle down and go, you know, step by step by step in a way that made sense to me. And I actually did turn out a script from, you know, by about 5 in the morning so that we could start filming at 9 on a Saturday. But, but you know, it's not like I... I never took a class in it or anything, and I, I admit that most of what I did was luck, and, and I had a lot of encouragement from the people around me. And it sounds like you've got a good network, too, uh, of people that you work with. Is that, you know, do you have the same people that you work with most of the time? Yeah, I kind of do, man. I do. Um, you know, our, our, our next movie that I want to do called The Divine, um, I want uh, excuse me. I want all the p all people who um only people who I've worked with. You know, it's about five or six different roles. I want as many people as as um that I've worked with as I possibly can because you know they, it is good to have that network. They were there from the beginning. They were there when you didn't have much, and now that you've got it rolling, they you know they 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 definitely um you know trust you enough with with your next movie, and you can trust them that they're going to be there for you. You know, they're not going to walk out. There's not going to be any issues things like that. So, yeah, if you're doing this, um, a network is important. And and here's the thing. Some people get nervous when you say network because they imagine it's this huge thing of people. It it could be like three people. It could be three or yeah. four people oh, to yeah. start off with, you know. I, I had one or two people to start off with, but now I have a whole network, you know. Um, just, just have that good attitude about you. You know, you'll meet the right people along the way. They'll join us or they'll join you, you know. Um, and so and so I, I, I think when you do that, that that's that that's the best way to go about these uh different film projects or whatever idea you may have. Wow. And and so um can I ask a few of the nuts and bolts questions about Becky? Yeah, sure. Okay, so uh, what what was your budget for the movie? Our budget was about 12,000. It was about $12,000. Um I did it just with um a lot of Uber rides that I did and things like that and so that that's that's how pretty much how we funded it. Yeah, and and see, a lot of people think that you need to get ten thousand, twenty thousand, a hundred thousand dollars to do a movie, but if you have a dedicated staff, you can you can get a lot done. Where you know where where if you if you try to let's say you try to do it in Hollywood and you had to pay everybody scale and stuff like that. Um, it can be pretty daunting, but when you're when you're, you're in a smaller market, or you do have, like you said, the network. The network is very important because these are people that you learn to trust. These people learn to trust you, and and they will come together to get a project done. And sometimes they they will forego getting paid because they believe in you and the project. And it sounds like you've got people like that around you. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, definitely, um, definitely, man. I've had people a few times say that, you know, don't worry about the money. I believe in the project, you know, and, that, and that, that, that's yeah. the warmest thing to me, you know. Um, you know, I've had sales and things like that on my website now. I, I'm, I'm proud of that, but I'm, I'm more proud of the fact that really that, that, that 
that they haven't taken the money. One, because I get to save it and pocket that and use it for something else. And B, I'm just playing. But um, but but um, you know, seriously though, just the fact that they trust me enough and that I've done something impacted them enough in some way that they would want to reciprocate that. Because that's really what film is about. You know, I feel like a lot of people in film fail because they don't understand that. They don't understand that it is a people business. I think it's more of a people business than anything else. You know, you know, car dealers talk about, you know, it's a people business. I think film is the ultimate people business because, you know, you can get a lot done with just, like you said, like with really dedicated people. And, and you do that by treating people the right way and, and when they reciprocate that, that 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 really makes me feel feel some type of way in a good way. Mhm, mhm. Um, and and so, uh, start to finish about how long did it take from let's say when you wrote the script until the time you had a finished product. Oh, uh, so I finished writing Becky in about January or February of twenty eighteen. Um, we started shooting. Okay. We had a few meetings in uh, March and May. Uh, started shooting the first week of June. Our per, our one of our camera people quit, <laughs> um, so we picked back up one day in July. Our main actors quit, but we had enough to finish. Um, uh, finish uh, during two days in August of last year. So. It spanned the summer, spanned three months, so I would say about 10 to 15 days of actual shooting. Okay. And, and how big 10. was Let's your crew? 10. Okay, yeah, that's our fine. Cr- and, and how yeah. big a crew did you have? So our crew was probably about, um, gosh, probably maybe 10, 12 people. I admittedly went a little overboard on crew. I just kind of wanted to make sure we had enough hands on deck, but in the smaller house that we were shooting in, it kind of became like, slightly chaotic at times because there were a lot of people in the small <laughs> space. So, you know, but yeah. that's one of those learning things. It's one of those things, you know, okay, maybe we don't have to, maybe we can be a little more trimmed down for the next movie, you know. So, um, but everybody was great. Everybody was great, though, you know. And and you, you do get to know a lot about the people you're working with under those kind of circumstances, don't you? Yes, you do. And I can say they're a special group. They're a special group that dug in and did not quit. And, well, one person did, but even them, even though I got love for them, you know. Um, um, and so, you know, it, 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 really, it really is, it really was a special group. You know, it really was a special crew, a diverse crew. Um, we had a woman who was our AD. She was incre- my uh, assistant director. She was incredible. Um, our our uh, production designer who she rose up from a PA, she just wanted to take that over. Just you know, decking, putting different stuff in the house and the scenes that you see. So I let her take over that. So it was it was an amazing experience and definitely a learning curve. And, and it sounds like you don't have a problem with letting your people do what they do. You don't over micromanage. No, not at all. I mean, you know, the, to to me, the effort should be done trying to find people. That's just me personally. The effort should be then. You know, if I if I find the right people. You know, I, I if 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 something happens to me and I, I get locked up tomorrow or something, like you all should be able to finish it because you got the script. You know what I'm saying? So I yeah, I, I honestly yeah. feel like that. You know, I just um I uh, just kind of delegate. You know, just kind of guide them in the right way. I'm like like a shepherd with his rod. It guides the sheep. You know, just kind of I don't want to say you know our crew is sheep or anything, but you know, just kind of guiding people in the in 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 the direction they like to go in the direction that's gonna make them successful because uh, one thing I want to do too is um, 
use my movies to put people where they want to be. You know, they're using it on their resumes as well. You know, we may have the next, we might have the next Spielberg who was on our set. We might have the next, you know, uh, Issa Rae or, you know, whoever on our set. And um, just giving them that space to kind of do what they want to do and just trust them uh, really allows that. So I'm a little curious because I've, I've kind of been where you've been. been. Well, I, I haven't, I haven't had, I haven't been that high above the line, but you know, I've written and I've been script supervisors, things like that. What you know, when you did Becky, what was the was the size of the 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 home the biggest drawback to what you were doing? I, I would say so. I would say so, and it was okay. an older house too. I would say so. Especially in the summertime, it was it, it was just because it was cramped quarters. That's really what it was. It's a bunch of people in cramped quarters. I would say that that was the toughest. That's why we actually did those days first. That week was first because I even told them, like, we're just going to get through this. It's going to suck at times, but everything else is going to be fun <laughs> and easy. And it, and it was, you know. Um, we got the, the rest of the scenes were shot outside. At a, we shot one at a Zaxby's, you know, in exchange for some catering. So we got that done. We shot poolside. So everything else was smooth sailing after that. That's not bad. Um, we we uh, had... Uh, we shot a short, and it was called. Uh, it was from a short story of mine uh, called "Your Two O'clock Is Here," and we shot yeah. in the building right next to what was is formerly called the Sears Tower. It's called the Willis Tower, but yeah. I don't. I don't like anybody who calls it the Willis Tower. It's always going to be the Sears Tower to me and my people. Yeah, I've, I've and, never heard of so, the Willis Tower. <laughs> yeah, that's that's yeah, what I've it's called heard now. The Sears Tower. And, and and the weekend we shot was the weekend of the air and water show. So about oh, wow. every 70, 80 seconds, some jet would go flying by the building and we'd have to cut, reset, and, oh, and start over again. And and there wasn't anything. I mean, all we could do was just get through it because we only had that suite, you know, for the weekend. Um, and, and, you know, that's when you find out if your people – can handle frustration and if they're really dedicated because you know people under stress that's I mean that's kind of like I mean I don't know anybody who's ever had a, 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 a what I would do call a trouble free movie making experience I mean you know even with the shorts and the other stuff that you've done have you have you ever had something where everything just worked perfectly nothing I would say no I mean, some have gone easier than others just because of the simplicity of some of them versus others, but nothing, you know, it's never going to look, excuse me, the way you think it should, you know. It's never going to look the way you see it. You know, you have to get over that right now. If you're a black creative or a creative in general, I should say, you know, first get over that. It's not going to look, it's not always (laughs) going to look the way you think it is. If you get over that, you're going to be, that's half the battle, you know. Becky, our final copy is not what I went into thinking it, you know, but that's just going to happen because other people are going to come on. They're going to bring their experiences, you know, and so you got to be ready for that. And so um, no matter what happens on a set, just, you know, you, you got to be ready that anything could happen. But if you're a real filmmaker or a real creative like you claim to be, you're going to do it. You're going to figure out a way yeah. to get it done, just like you all did, you know, maybe like, all right, Right after this boat's done, you know what to say, go, you know, and we just set it up and do it. All right, let's do another one. You know, I'm sure it had to have been something like that, you know. So that, that's well, what we, we had that's to what stick true filmmaking is. Yeah, we had to stick somebody at the other side of the building over, over to the side, and all he did 
was he watched to see when the Jets were coming <laughs> our way. You know, and, and so he wasn't happy, but he knew he had to do it, you know. And, yeah, see, uh, but that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I get you. I get you. Um, for, for you, you know, now that you look back on completing your first feature, what, what was the most fun part about doing it, about making it happen? Man, I would say going in the edit bay, man, that, that's my favorite part. That's my favorite part of the okay. entire process, going to the edit bay, just putting everything together because, you know, every time there's always going to be some stuff like, dang, I should have got that or, oh, wow, we got a little too much of that or, oh, that came out better or, oh, man, we got to kind of edit this. That that That's always, to me, my most um, the most rewarding part for me. Um, just get in the bay. Um, what I do, how we do ours is um, my movies. I go in, I sequence it, I do that, and then I have another uh, team, uh, two twin guys actually, real cool guys um, here in the area. Uh, they color it and um, add in the graphics and just kind of mess down the audio for me. So it, it's right. a fun process. I love it. Yeah, I uh, I like the process. There, you know, sometimes there's a lot of hurry up and wait, but that's yeah. that's just part of it. <laughs> Um, the, it's funny because I never thought I would be doing something like this and to come at it from somebody saying, well, we like the way you do your dialogue. We like your short stories. Can you help us write a script? And then, you know, getting, getting into the part where, you know, I'm, I'm tweaking the script or I'm, I'm telling people how to deliver their lines and things like that. And it is immersive. I mean, once you get into it, you know, I, you see, one of the things that I've noticed is I see people who don't have a particular role that they're playing coming and just doing what has to be done in order to get it done. And I think that's also the hallmark of a good team, too. You know, not somebody who says, oh, that's not my job, or, you know, no, I, I ain't picking that stick up, or, you know, what, whatever attitude you could see. I, I have, I've been fortunate enough that I've never run into that. And it sounds like your people are just the same, that, you know, whatever they can do, they will do. They are, man. They are. Um, I have one guy. Uh, he was on my short film. He was the AD. He started out, <clears throat> excuse me, as a uh, kind of a PA on the first film. You know, um, he's just to see his growth. He's a guy. He's in college actually. He goes out here to Morehouse, and um, he's one of those people that understands wearing a lot of different hats. And that that's something too. If you got a crew who understands that and accepts it, then you're going to be fine. Because what happens is, I, in my opinion, anyway, there's a lot of people out here who think that. You know, I came out here to chase some dreams and be glamorous. The end is going to be done before my next commercial break. You know, that's not how yeah. it happens. You don't want those people around. Sure. So and for so, anybody tuning in late, we're listening to uh, 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 Lane Fobbs, filmmaker. Um, I want to ask you a little bit about Becky, your first feature. Could you give us a little bit about the plot? Obviously, don't give anything important away, but, but tell, tell us a little bit. You know, you've mentioned that you you have an affinity for horror anyway, and you know when you were writing it, you know, tell us a little bit about how you put that story together. Yeah, so um, so Becky, it's a take on Jekyll and Hyde. Um, um, this uh, this uh, woman, her boyfriend's been possessed by this homicidal woman, and he's got she's got to figure out what's going on and, uh, and put a stop to it. And so, you know, I've, I've always just liked that story, Jekyll and Hyde. It's just been cool to me. And so, um, you know, it's, it's really big. You know, if you read the story, 
it's not really based on Dr. Jekyll. You know, it's not it's not really I'm sorry, it's not yeah, it's not really um told from Dr. Jekyll's standpoint. It's told from his friend. His name's Gabriel Utterson, if you read the the Stevenson story. But um, you know, and and to me that adds a whole layer of mystery because now you're telling this through the friend's side, A, there's even more mystery because, you know, you're not actually Dr. Jekyll. This guy's just kind of seeing what's going on and B, you know, there's a it has a humanity to it because as Utterson, this is uh, Jekyll is Utterson's best friend, one of his closest friends anyway. And, um, you know, you don't want to see anything bad happen to a loved one or somebody that you care about. So it, it adds humanity, it adds mystery. And so I just kind of brought that to Becky. So, you know, um, the girlfriend is kind of Utterson uh, investigating this Jekyll and Hyde situation going on with her boyfriend. So um, all that kind of ties in. And um, and so, yeah, and, and, and just tossing some blood, some – crazy women killer and you know off off and running I was and so that's kind of how I came up with it (laughs) and and is this um you know is this suitable I mean what's the age range that you were shooting for my age range is uh more 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 of um 16 17 and up really um we don't have an official rating system I would probably give it an R rating you know it's just more for um for for a college kid, maybe maybe somebody likes to uh, con- consume things that are legal in certain places, you know, whatever you want to do, and um, and really just for people who enjoy horror, I um I one of my favorite things to do is just find different type of horror movies, you know, not just your traditional, you know, a zombie or a werewolf. I like um there's a lot of uh, indie horror directors out here trying a lot of different things, and so that that that's really uh kind of the idea. Uh, behind Becky as well. Just try something new and just have horror fans, sci-fi fans eat it up. Mm-hmm. And and how did you cast for it? The cast, um, it was a mix. So it was, they were people. Okay. Oh, great. Mm, no, yeah, I was, yeah, so. was going to ask, you know, were they friends, people you knew before, or or, 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 or how'd you go about it? <laughs> yeah, so, um, so some people I knew before. Yeah, no problem. Sometimes, some of the other people I knew before and, um, uh, so and the rest I cast. So um, I would say there were about one or two people that I had known before that I had met before we started casting, and then the rest were new additions. You know, um, I went on different Facebook pages and cast. I went on um, Project Breakdown. I was a Breakdown Casting, eight hundred casting to find people. So you know, they 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 came from all corners, so to speak. And, and, you know, do you think, I mean, you already stated that the final product is not exactly the vision you had at the beginning, but it, it does sound like you're pretty satisfied with what you, what you ended up with. Would that be fair to say? I am. I am. Um, because, one, any time you finish a feature, and any time you finish that first one, guess what? <clears throat> Excuse me. That really puts you ahead of a lot of, uh, of the pack. It puts you ahead of the game because – there's about 300 people, you know, who are in your same shoes who didn't finish for whatever reason, you know. So just from that standpoint, anytime we finish something, I'm satisfied. And there was a time that it looked like my completion, you know, my perfect completion percentage uh, wasn't going to be there. But, again, you know, just like we talked about earlier, <laughs> um, <laughs> we talked about earlier, special people who just want to see it done. You know, one of them say, yeah, we're not done yet, man. We're coming out for you. I'm like, man, I appreciate that, man. You know, that was heartwarming moment there on set. And um, um, and so that 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 that's really beyond any other reason I'm proud of it. And it, and it, and it's, it's it's a killer story too. There's there's nothing else like 
this, you know, at the end of the day, you're not going to see any anything else like this. You know, there's there's no there's there, there there's no other story quite like Becky that's out right now. And you know, <clears throat> excuse me. Obviously, there's okay. there's a a research, not a resurgence, because there was never really a surge. So you can't resurge if you didn't have a surge. But there's <laughs> there's an interest in in um, black filmmaking now from a commercial perspective. I mean, uh, black. Well, actually, non-white male primary characters. I mean, you look at the success of Wonder Woman, you look at the success of uh, of um, Black Panther, and then even in television, you know, Luke Cage did far better than anybody ever expected. I mean, it broke Netflix for three days, um, and right. you can't say, oh, that was all black folks in America downloading it. No, that's worldwide. Uh, you don't break Netflix just with black folks in America. And, and so... Um, when you think about moving forward in your career, do you, I mean, do you see the opportunities ahead? Um, and, and, you know, having said that, if you do see them, you know, what kinds of things are you thinking about to exploit this kind of, at least the, the new attention, you know, the, the greater focus on at least black filmmaking? Um, what, what does that say to you as a professional, does it does it give you pause? Does it give you hope? Um, are you excited about it? Um, talk about where you're going to go because that's that's a big damn deal. You know, you do one, you can't stop. Not at your age. Not at all, man. Not at all. You know, even if you know, and um, it's interesting. I read a, an article in the New York Times about um, uh, some of the early '90s filmmakers. You know, it was of course Spike Lee, John Singleton. There was a couple others who did uh, just another girl from the IRT. Um, the, uh, there was a guy who did Love Jones. There was a which, uh, I know a lot of uh, black women love that movie, and um, but a lot of these directors they can't they couldn't get work or find a second project, you know, and they, they said just kind of the, the fad it kind of faded away, and they were asked the same question too, like you know there's a resurgence uh, or a surge or rather like you said above black creatives. Do you think it'll last? Uh, some some were kind of optimistic, others weren't not, weren't so much. I think that regardless of what happens. I think there, you know, if you are a black creative, continue to create, you know, um, continue to have the indie film hustle mindset, you know, continue to just go about it, you know, I, I don't have the, if you don't have the million dollar budget, what what do I have? I have, you know, $3,000. What can I make with it? You know, uh, Robert Rodriguez, um, Spag director from Spy Kids and all that, he made his first film um, for $5,000 down in Mexico, I believe, you know, you know, just um, do do what you can. Do what you can first. Yeah. So I'm 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 very excited because there there's more of that mentality. You know, there's more of that mentality to actually get out there and create your own thing. I mean, Issa Rae kind of started that. You know, before she was at HBO, she she uh, really cornered the art of finding her audience. You know, awkward black girl. There it turns out there were at least ten thousand other awkward black girls who agreed with her. You know, um. So, well, so I, I think. Oh, yeah. Let's look at the ultimate, you know, a niche market, the low-hanging fruit market. Look what Tyler Perry has done. You know, that's, right. that's a lot of money hitting that target audience, and his target audience is not black. His target audience is, is as much white as, as, it, as it is black, but it's low-hanging fruit. He found his niche, and he served it up pretty well. You know, who knew that a big black man in a muumuu was going to to be as popular as it was. 
Um, right, right. Yeah. So, and, and then, oh, go ahead. Oh yeah, I, I was just saying, you know, and again, a lot of people don't, a lot of people, you know, disagree with the content some of Tyler Perry's movies and things like that. I'm, I have my criticisms too, but you know, again, he's he was he's he's worth six hundred million dollars now, you know, and and just like you said, finding that niche. It was it was a lot of um the 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 drag queen community actually when he first started, you know, with that, and then he jumped to you know kind of black evangelicals, and then. And then uh, the white audience came in. There was a movie deal with Larry the Cable Guy. That that, that kind of showed you that he was he had a white audience at that point. And um, you know, a guy I was working with in radio. He was like one of the last white people you'd ever think to like a Tyler Perry movie. But he was like, you know, they they have morals in them. They have a message. I like it. You know, it was like I'm like really interesting, huh? interesting. But um, you know, it, it's it's a, a lot of respect to Tyler Perry, and it's just about finding those audiences that Hollywood did not even know existed. You know, Hollywood's been exposed in the last few years, you know, because it used to be, you know, we know who the audiences are. We're Paramount. We're Warner Brothers. We're Disney. And they, they, they really don't know a lot of the audiences. A lot of those movies from this summer have crashed and burned, like MIB International, Godzilla, Dumbo from earlier this year. You know, they, they, they don't have quite as much of a pulse because, you know, that what's, hot come, what's popular comes from the ground up, and there's a lot of smaller creatives realizing that and capturing that and you know, there's, um, that, that's kind of the wave I'm trying to ride. Yeah, I, I have to agree because one of the things that I'm observing uh, about Hollywood and, and one of the reasons why I know a little bit more today than I knew maybe a month or two ago is someone's trying to adapt my writing to television. And so hmm. looking at, at people who, who have lived in Hollywood all their lives, who, who you know, that's... that's the bubble they live in, there's a lot that they don't know about audiences. I mean, the, the amount of money Wonder Woman made just surprised the hell out of everybody. You know, because remember, up until then, who were all the superheroes? You know, white guys. Right. And, and you know, they were, they, were, they were tossing Wonder Woman, the Wonder Woman idea of bone. They got a black, uh, excuse me, a, a woman to direct it. And, and the... the you know the excitement was there, and and then once it came out, you you see these memes on social media where kindergarten girls are sitting around in a circle discussing which power they're going to have so that they don't overlap. You know, you know, and, right. and it you know it, it permeated the entire culture, and it was more than just you know white girls who liked the movie. I mean, it it, it resonated with everybody just by, you know, you can tell by how much money it meant. And then you look at Black Panther, and Black Panther crossed all the demographic um, boundaries, well, well, with the exception of the white folks who were bitching because there was only one white actor in there, really, too. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's like, uh, like Jordan Peele said about doing his movies, not having white characters. Well, we've already seen all those movies. And it is true. Also, two studies came out over the last, uh, I think, about five years that showed movies that have diverse casts that reflect the reality of America's demographic um, landscape, you know, the tapestry of different people that we have, tend to make more money. And so even mm -hmm. though you have um, white production houses 
going and casting more people of color and maybe maybe some some people who are traditionally uh, visibly disabled or whatever 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 you know whatever it is they do in the name of and I'm doing air quotes which I hate uh, diversity you know whatever they do in the name of diversity see diversity doesn't just mean black anymore diversity actually is starting to represent the actual definition of the word so however we get different people in the movies who have been underrepresented I'm fine with what got them there you know whether it was cynical or not at least there are people working who wouldn't have been working 10 years ago you know um, the other thing that I, I have admired is the, uh, the the casting that they do in Great Britain for television you know, when you look hmm. at Doctor Who, you look at TV shows over there, Blake, some, you, you know, you, you do see racially diverse casts in a way that we have had not traditionally seen here in America. And um, in, in that respect, you know, one of the guys I've been following is Noel Clark. He, uh, he was in Doctor Who. He played kind of a weasel in Doctor Who, but he's, he's done a few <laughs> movies on his own. And, and I've actually, you know, I was in contact with him about maybe doing a project here, although neither of us have any money. But <laughs> at least somebody like that has an opportunity there where, you know, would you get major studio money at this point? Well, probably not. But that's not going to stop you. You're still going to keep making your movies time and time and time again with whatever opportunities you have. I think there's just a difference that, you know, in some places – you, you have access to better opportunities, um, and, and it is a pretty expensive um, industry, uh, even though you, yeah. were, you were really lucky to, to, to be able to pull off what you did. We did a, a short. Uh, I think it was about 11 minutes long. It's up on YouTube. It's called uh, Your Two O'Clock is Here. And then afterwards, um, just to fill out some paperwork because somebody wanted to submit that to NBC for something, we, we had to do a Hollywood budget for that short and mm. doing everything the Hollywood way, it would have cost about $85,000. Oh, wow. Well, we, we got the thing done for $139 worth of food. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Exactly. That's, that's where the network is strong. That's where the yeah. network beats, beats out. Hollywood every time because if you have dedicated people and even you know fairly creative people there's a whole lot you can do on a shoestring budget um, now if you look um, looking ahead at your next feature do you do you have something lined up do you have a project lined up already yes I do it's called the divine it's um it's a black sorority slasher movie I've never seen a I've seen sorority <laughs> slasher movies but I've never seen one with a black sorority so we're going to do that next. I want to, by November, I want to shoot the trailer. I want to have the trailer shot by November. So, you know, it's going to be a fun ride as I continue to promote Becky and things. And, you know, by the end, by the close of the year, I want to, I want to have uh, fans a first look at that. Let me ask you this. How, how, do, well, first, let me tell you why I laughed. I laughed for two reasons. One, because when you said a black sorority slasher movie, I immediately thought about my, my uh, going to Kenwood High School on the south side and, you know, the cheerleaders would ride <laughs> one bus, the, 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 the football players would ride in the other bus. And, and there was one time where we went someplace, and I don't remember what school it was, but there were girls on the outside of the bus the other cheerleader squad trying to cut up 
our cheerleaders with like carpet knives and stuff like that trying to slash oh, wow. through the window. So I, I had that <laughs> visual when you said that. I apologize for laughing, but you know, it, it, it's it's hilarious to think about. You know, what was the saying back then? This was back in the early seventies. Oh yeah, you may have won the you may have won the game, but we won the fight. You know, so it, <laughs> it, it, that came. But I, I want to ask you, how are you going to go about raising money for this? And you don't have to give away any, you know, any really deeply proprietary information, but it is an industry that kind of does run on being able to pay for what you need to pay for in order to get what you want to get. Um, do you have a strategy mapped out for how you're going to try to fund this this next project? Right, so uh, twofold. Um, one, uh, we're taking Becky on the road, just doing promotional stuff, you know, coming on um, uh, great spaces like here and letting people know about it. Um, so our profits, you know, pretty much everything that we use that um, that uh, people give us, you know, they um, as far as funding, it goes back straight to the next movie, you know, because um, I believe that's how you got to fund your project. One project funds the next, and then one funds the next, you know, and then the next one. And so that's what we're going to do. And also um, – well, along with the trailer, I want to launch a crowdfunding just to kind of get some money up that way. Uh, we don't need much. We don't need much. I mean, really, for 5000 if I had 5000 a day, I could start shooting it, you know. So it's, it's not a ton of cash, but, you know, it, it is something that we're going to need, you know. So that's kind of how we're going to get it done. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, um, I, I think about crowdfunding, um, and I, you know, I haven't tried to do it for a movie or anything like that. I did something to uh, to try to get some some uh, capital to put out another trilogy of books. And and it's not it's not easy because of course it seems like the universal challenge that creatives have is getting your your work or your intentions above the background noise. To to that right. end. You know, you, you mentioned you're going to be out there, you're going to be pushing the movie, you're going to get that trailer done. Um, are you a proponent of doing a lot of your marketing work via social, uh, social media? Or, you know, what are the various kinds of ways other than actually, you know, hitting the street doing the things that you already described? You know, and that's interesting, man. You know, I, I'm still learning that stuff myself. Um, there's just so many. There's so many. Um, there's a um, there's a site called Blip. You know, there's different digital billboards in cities. You can for ten dollars a day, you can have your ad on there. There's uh, Facebook advertising. Oh, there's all sorts of stuff. I'm I'm really focusing on that. Um, just different SEO for Google searches. Though those are really the things I'm uh, focusing on doing because um, you know a lot of a lot of the a lot of the budget of a movie or is or should be. Um, the back end with um, and that's you know PR, you know um, this press and press and uh, exposure and things like that. And where we're lucky is we actually have a little bit of that budget to start us off, you know, to get the word out and to do some things like that. So you know, social media is very important. I, I recommend paying, you know, just go ahead and pay for some advertising, you know, because YouTube, Instagram, they they got to look good for these corporations, these stockholders, and one way they do it is to um, make sure that you pay for advertising, but it's it's worth it. You know, you can do targeted advertising through Google ads and things, so um, it's very important, and uh, that that's kind of how we're doing it, you know, and, and uh, of course, it's, you know, putting boots on the ground, of course, which, which is what you should be doing, too. So, you know, just just a good mix to kind of grow, um, grow our fan base. 
And okay, so you know when when I look at at you know the things that you've got, you, you've caught you you've called your production company Frightbox Features, which I think is a very clever. You know, you've got the alliteration, you've got you've got a word, you know, you've got fright in the in in the title and things like that. Um, are you currently pretty much a one man shop until you get into production or or have you have you had the good fortune to put together, you know, a production team that helps you, you know, start laying the groundwork for getting these projects done? Well, I, I would say it's different teams at each level. You know, just um I, I would describe myself as the Walt Disney, just kind of doing different things with different teams. So, you know, when we were starting um, the only time it's just me is writing. You know, that's kind of the only isolated thing I would say. But, um, you know, there was a team, of course, when we were shooting. There was a, a smaller team for editing. Now I'm with the team for our uh, marketing and advertising, you know. So, so now, okay. there's, now there's that team. And um, and they'll just go on another cycle. Um, I was already, you know, in the isolated part for the divine. So then we're going to get with the crew. And then we'll, you know, I'll just move from small team to small team and just um, – just uh, those people uh, helping out along the way. Maybe step it along the way so that you don't overstep, so that you don't overplan, so that you don't over anything. Exactly. It sounds like you, yeah. you, you keep very tight tolerances on, on the parts that need to be done. Now, you know, who the hell told you you were a screenwriter? <laughs> you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. You know, did um... you just sit down one day? Oh, for me... You know, I, I, I was an arrogant SOB when I sat down to write my first book. I didn't know jack about writing a book, <laughs> but that didn't stop me from doing it. And, and it sounds like you, you kind of went the same route. You know, what, what was it that, that, first of all, made you do Becky and do it the way you did it? And, and you know, how did you get that? Because you, you said you don't have any formal training. You didn't go to any of those, you know, special film schools or anything like that. Um, you know, where where did you get the balls to do that? And and you know I'm asking that in the nicest way. You know, I'm not you Yeah, know what I'm yeah. Of course. Sure. So, you know, just um and again, you know, this is like right after I left this is not um not right after, but this is um a few years after I left my um my news job, my cushy quote unquote news job, whatever. And so I did, and so it, I, I was just in that, you know, screw it attitude. I was just in that screw it mentality. So I just sat down and wrote it. And then um, from there it was just all, uh, when I did the second draft, um, you know, more YouTube University, you know, learning about story structure, learning where to put, sure. you know, where the events turn, the climax, things like that. So they helped me organize it more and um, just reading more of that and looking at different videos. And I'm even, to, you know, even now I'm, I'm always looking at different videos on YouTube and ways to improve my scripts and things like that. So that that's kind of how Becky came up. That, that's really how – Becky came to be just um and, and again you know I, I'd always I'd always just been fascinated with the idea of just a split personality and um and, you know I, I wanted to to do it with a with a black female character and lead so I want to kind of do it from that perspective and and that that's that's really where it came from that that's really where it came from a, a lot of uh, black women they don't they wouldn't want their man to be with a white woman so um you know so um when, when she suspects that and things like that that's kind of when there's a horror in that for her, you know, so there, there, there's a lot of little different horrors in there that I decided to toss in. And so, you know, I, it's a fun ride, and I hope people enjoy it. Yeah, and and then, you know, again, you sat back down again, and is the script done for, what was it, Sorority Slashers? The, 
Yeah, for the divine, yes, it is. It's done. I may add a few more things here and or there. Um, but, yeah, it's pretty much done. I'm ready to start. Um, actually, this uh, this weekend I want to start reaching out to some of the uh, the ladies that I would, I'd like to uh, play, play some of the roles. Uh-huh. And, and let me ask you this. You know, since you're, you're kind of almost like a guerrilla filmmaker, and, and I say that with the utmost respect because, you, you know, we, all, yeah. we have all read or heard about the ways – Spike Lee got his first few movies done, you know, uh, shooting with no permits and, you know, what, you know, all this stuff, all the stuff that shoot, all the stuff that we do <laughs> here at Chicago. Right, basically. Um, <laughs> everybody, yeah, everybody does. But um, when you, when you look at, you know, having to put that all together, you know, do you use traditional kind of Hollywood tools to get things done like um, I do have a friend and he went through Columbia College here you know our film school here in Chicago and one of the things that he was brilliant at was he was brilliant at storyboarding so that you know everybody was on the same page for the visuals of the movies that he did both for school and after he got out of school Um, do you use traditional um, techniques like that or, or are you still more the seat of your pants I, I guess you know. No. You know what the question is. The question is, how do you convey <laughs> to other people your vision? That's because that's the important part. Yeah. So um, it's interesting with Becky. <clears throat> you know, that was just the first movie. I just kind of let again, just let other people come in part and see what they saw. I did a shot sheet, but um, we were strapped for time a lot more time than I than when you know than to get the shots that I wanted. After our main person left, we had to trim some. So it was really just a lot of different people's visions coming together for Becky, which um, which was interesting. But um, for our short film, Deacon, which is about a crazed church pastor, um, I did the whole storyboards for that. And we were able to finish, you know, really quickly in, you know, in a day, um, do the whole thing because we had that. So it's really just a few different things. I, I think I'm going to go back to the storyboard because that did kind of give everybody a clear vision. I, I would say – do those just kind of just, just kind of take the time and do it you know it, it's going to suck doing a thing for each one but guess what you don't have to use every frame you do you can add some you can take some out but i think that i think that's the best way to give you a roadmap and to get you started as far as you know getting something shot and on tape on film yeah other than time it doesn't hurt to overdo you know, to take a few right. extra takes or, or try a few variations or, or even to let the actors maybe throw an ad lib in or not because you know actors are going to, it's funny, you know, you, you want an actor to be your character, but they're, they're still sitting in their own head. You know, they have their own lives, they have their own experiences, they have their own attitudes, and sometimes you can get something pretty unexpected out of them in a way, in a way that, <laughs> that actually enhances the whole thing rather than you going, would you just shut up and read the lines, you know? What, what's wrong with you? You know, you don't you you don't want to go there either because nobody wants to be a, a an ass on on set. Um, well, so it it's it does sound like you work well with other people, and and even though you you've expressed at least and, and to be honest, some mild disappointment in that everything is not perfect. And again, I'm doing those stupid air quotes around the word perfect. It, that doesn't mean that you're not going to get good. You know, a lot of people repudiate the good in the name of the perfect, and then they wind up with a mess because they don't get exactly what they want. It sounds like you're a little more forgiving, and you're also 
more likely to take advantage of the unexpected. Um, do, do you feel like you're kind of like a, a seat of the pants but fast on his feet kind of director? What's your What's your style? Yeah, um, I think I think it's because our budgets and the way we shoot. A lot of times, we do have to kind of be seat of our pants. I prefer not to do that. I prefer to kind of have it calm, like Marvel when you go on those big sets and there's some space to kind of try things. But you know, you know, we don't we don't have that all the time. So life kind of forces me to do it by the seat of the pants. But you know, I, I think it's good to be versatile, man. Be ready for both. You know, there'll be there will be some scenes where you can just kind of control things. You know, um, and there's other times when you gotta fly by the seat of your pants. Like there was one um, again, you know, our short film. We um, there, there, there's a real bloody scene at the end. And we had people driving by thinking that somebody really needed help. You know, we got people walking into the shot saying, oh, does he, does he need help? I'm like, no, it's just, it's just makeup. It's makeup. That's all. You know, so we kind of got to fly by the seat of your pants and get that done, you know. Um, but there's others where it seems where they're driving in the car. They got, we got plenty of space to try that because we're just in a car. There's a lot more control variables there. So um, it's good to know both. I, I, th- I think that's my, my long way of, saying, of answering your question. I think it's, it's good to do yeah, both. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and you have to be you have to be versatile. Um, we had we we almost had uh, we almost had a, a, a I, I want to say a shooting, but it would have been a killing. Um, oh, we no. were shooting in an alley. Well, and and it was a scene where there were guns visible, and mm. you know I had I had put flyers on all the cars parked in line of sight. We had we had actual police barriers. We we this is one time we had a permit because you don't want to be in Chicago pulling out a gun and not have a permit. And right. you know so so these two guys are running across the alley under a streetlight, and a cop drove by at the end of the alley at the exact wrong time or maybe the right time. And man, the lights came on. About four police cars showed up at the other end of the alley. They all came running down the alley, guns drawn. The first thing we did was we put all our equipment down, and everybody was standing up against the wall, <laughs> the wall with our feet spread. And he says, "Who's oh, in charge uh, here? What's going on?" And I said, "May I, may I, you know, put my hands down?" He said, "Yeah." And I went over to the car where we had the flyer underneath the uh, the windshield. And what it was was it was our filming permit. And it, it oh, wow. also, I, I had the call sheet that showed that there would be um, disarmed weapons, you know, un, un, unshootable yeah. weapons, because we were going right. to add the, the shooting noises in post. But, man, you see a mixed group, you know, black, white. I think we had, oh, yeah, we, <laughs> we, had, we had one little Vietnamese guy with a big-ass 9 tail, <laughs> and they're running across the alley. And these cops, these cops were, I mean, they're Chicago cops. Um, yeah. You, you know, as, as soon as we saw them coming down the alley, everybody jumped up against the wall, throwing down their coat. Don't, I don't want to give anybody an excuse to shoot me. So, you, you do have to be prepared out in the wild because you don't know what's going to happen. Um, I, I helped exactly. with another trailer for somebody, and they chose a location. It was a beautiful park. But on that day, we had sun, we had sleet, we had snow. Um, mm. in, you know, in, in, in that weather, in that day, and the park was under the main um, flight line for landing at O'Hare. 
So again, oh, layup, wow. you know, like every, every <laughs> 70 seconds we had to cut, yes. you know, because, because of that plane noise. So, yeah, it's not, um. you know, the, the thing that people sometimes realize, sometimes don't realize, you know, when I look at a movie, I'm looking at it because I think, oh, every single element that's in that frame was there on purpose. But now having made movies, I know better, you know, Things yeah. happen, and 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 have you had fortuitous accidents like that happen, or have you have you courted disaster, like having the cops come drop down on you, and and get ready to call the SWAT team? I mean, what what's been like the the weirdest, most I guess dangerous thing that's ever happened to you got you you while you were filming? I, I'd say the one with Deacon. You know, um, there, there there's a scene <laughs> where um, again uh, there's a head a head a gunshot wound. And so, you know, we're putting them together and we're shooting it, but there's people driving by thinking that something's wrong, and they keep saying, oh, we need to call the police. Do we need to call somebody? I'm like, oh, gosh, because we're, we're up here at an elementary school. You know, we don't have a permit to be here. So, you know, it's oh, like, no. oh, we're good. Don't, don't tell anybody. So it's just like, let's go ahead and just shoot this. But, you know, that goes back to our special crew who knows how to get it done. <laughs> and so we were able to do that. So I, I, think, I think that's the craziest one. I think that's the yeah. craziest one. I guess, yeah. I guess uh, on the flip side. Hey, I'll you know, give you a cheat. Into, oh, yeah. Yeah. You want to cheat? That'll help you get away with that? Um, What's make, that? Make a lot of copies of the day's call sheet because it'll have all the information yeah. about the scene and everything like that. And then put those under all of the car windshield wipers that are out of sight of the shot, but they're in the area. That way when the cops come, you look legit. Okay, that's my that's my lion that's smart. for the film industry. Yeah, that's smart. Because like when that. they come up, you go, you just go to the car, you pull the call sheet, you go. I, I'm not sure who's got the permit, but here's the call sheet. We, you know, we we're we're, we're supposed to be here. We're going to be here for maybe uh, uh, two and a half more hours, and then we're we're going to clean up and get out of here. And usually, the cops sometimes the cops will stay and watch, and sometimes they'll even help. You know. They'll go, well, you know, right. anything we can do to hang around? I go, yeah, why, why don't you keep people from coming down the alley, you know, with guns drawn? And, and so um, there's your cheat. I, I love being able to look legit, especially when you can't be legit, because sometimes, <laughs> well, okay, every, every city, when they have the 48-hour film project, um, the, the police know that there will be no permits pulled. Because, first of all, the 48-hour film project starts at 7 p.m. on a Friday night. Well, I don't right. know any city that has a film office where you can get a permit on a Saturday. So, like here in Chicago, <laughs> there's a lot of leniency. The police know a lot of stuff's going on. But, again, you know, sometimes you can't get that, that permit, and you have to you, – you know, this is your perfect location. You, you know, you're not going to be here for a long time. You're, you're trying not to impact other people's lives, but you still want to get your, you want to get your movie in. You want to get your shots in. So that's my, that's my cheat. I always make, you know, like 50 copies of the call sheet. And, you know, if, if it's in the alley, I bring a staple gun and I staple them facing the ends of the alley, not towards, you know, the shot. So that when the cops come, we go, oh, yeah, we had this all quartering off. I, I don't know who's got the permit, blah, blah, blah. And if it's a Saturday or a Sunday, which most of us shoot anyway, um, especially if we're doing guerrilla shooting, um, they can't call the film office and see if we've got a permit. So <laughs> right. there's, there's, there's my, my gift to you because – 
nobody nobody wants to, who wants to go to jail for a damn movie right even if it's for a few hours <laughs> yeah so when you when you do um I'm I'm curious. How many locations do you think you're going to have for this next movie? Uh, I would say about all told, maybe four. Okay. Yeah, some, and as different places any outdoors in the yeah. wild? I would say one or two. I'd say one or two, and that, that that's a secret I try to do too. I try to make them as self-contained as I can. I try to keep them on. That's what I learned from Becky to keep. Every and we didn't do this on Becky. Keep everything one day if you can, as few locations right. as you can, because that you know that really helps with budget. It helps you with moving a lot of different people and uh, different moving parts. So um, yeah, it's going to primarily take place in a house and just um, just be flanked with a couple different two uh, about you know two maybe three other little small locations just to mix it up. Are you shooting at night or during the day? Uh, probably gonna be a mix. It's probably gonna be a mix. Uh, you want to make your rooms look better, brighter, more fun, more 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 visually stimulating. Take all the screens out of the windows, and and then you know when you when people look through you know the scene and see the window, the window looks brighter, and you know you got a cleaner look outdoors. Okay, nice. These are, nice. These are just things people taught me, man. You know. Yeah, man. I, you know, for the trade, man. And, and, oh, a real estate woman taught me that one. Oh, yeah, when I try to sell the house, nice. I have to sell the house. We get it all cleaned up, and then we <laughs> take all the screens out of the windows. I can, hey, that sounds great to me. Um, nice. So what, where do you think, you know, if you look 10 years down the road, you know, where do you think that, that Frightbox Features is going to be in 10 years? You know, first of all, do you, do you plan on trying to schedule maybe a movie a year if you can pull that off or – um, obviously, like you said, you want to make a bigger and bigger and bigger movie, and and whatever you make on this movie, you want to be able to apply some of it to the next one. You know, you've got you, a, a good kind of business flow laid out, but you know, where where do you see yourself? Um, you know, I'd say ten years down the road. Uh, I say still making movies. You know, still making, still doing this. Um, you know, maybe expanding into a few other different genres and things. But uh, primarily, you know, just continue to make it, making stuff. Media is my background. You know, I love filming movies. Um, we'll have our core thousand by that time, so we'll be self-sustaining and, you know, putting out, just putting out, a, like you said, a movie a year. I'd, I'd love to do two a year if I could, but, um, you know, um, at least one movie a year because I, I have, you know, about like 15 other just concepts that I have written out that just are, are waiting and ready to go, you know, so... I'm I'm ready to just get in and just treat it like the Ford factory. Just keep cranking them out. <laughs> okay, and then you know <laughs> I I am kind of curious. What kind of feedback have you gotten from Becky? People have liked it. People have liked it. They said they said it's very different. Um, very very indie horror, very uh B movie horror, which I love. I, I love that type of stuff. Um, it has been really positive. People have been liking it. Um, I think they've identified with the woman. You know, a lot of women, especially if they they suspected men of cheating and things like that, and so there's some of that in there. I think that um yeah you know I think there's the frustration of a couple. There's a lot of relatable stuff in that I think people are getting behind. So um and um and it's not that long either. I don't believe in making a horror movie more than 80 minutes. That's just a personal thing of mine. You know between 70 and 80 minutes, I think, especially for the days you know we always got a lot of distraction. I think that's perfect. 
And so, um, so yeah, it's been a, been a lot of great feedback. We had a, a screening in Miami at LitCon where um, I saw I uh, ran the Jarvis down there, and um, you know that that's where we had our first this kind of big screening. I, I you know with uh, more than ten people, I guess. But um, good crowd, and everybody loved it. So it's it's, it's going good. Mhm, mhm. And uh, uh, do you see your head getting too big? You know, uh, when you know, <laughs> well, you see your ego getting out of control. I'm just saying, you know. Well, you know, I I don't know. I mean, I'm just playing. I'm not not really. You know, I try to stay grounded, man. You know, um, I'm just that dude from Houston that um, just I like just making some hot stuff, man. You know, so I try to stay as humble as I can and low to the earth and things and. Just uh, I, I I try not to let it get to my head and stuff like that. A lot of people say that I should be more, more. Um, I don't want to say flamboyant with it, but the more, I guess, more out there. Like you know, just um, look at me, look at me. But I've never been that person. But um, you know, maybe, maybe I should try that a little bit more. But I wanted to come off as arrogant. So you know, I I think for me it's just to continue making some hot movies, you know, just making stuff that people have to pay attention to, continuing to advertise it, get in front of people's faces, and we're going to have everything we need to make stuff happen. Uh-huh. And, and let me ask you this, you know, since you've come up so quick, because it's been a pretty, a pretty short amount of time since, you know, you, you sat down to write back in, now you've got, you know, a finished feature, um, you know, do you, do you see yourself maybe mentoring children or, or at least mentoring people who want to get into the business um, and, and are interested? Uh, how do you feel about kind of passing on what you already know to people who have yet to get to where you've gotten? Well, that's one of the things we do. You know, I try to pay it forward. Um, you know, I, I, I try to invite people who are local that want to be interested in film and stuff to come on set. To me, it's just um, I, I learned a lot of my stuff especially from news, I would just watch other people do it, you know, just look at everything they did. I was a shadow. Like, they turn around like, oh, oh, they're laying right behind me like, yeah, yeah, you're damn right, I'm behind you, I'm shadowing you. <laughs> and so, but I would know how to do everything after a while, you know. <laughs> so, you know, I would do I would do that. And so I believe in getting people out there uh, like that as well. I, I think that's the best way to do it, you know, um, get out there and watch and then be uh, hands-on. And then uh, while they're on there, I just, I'll just encourage like, make your own. Don't be scared to do it. It's going to be scary. Everything's going to go wrong. But guess what? If you really like film, if you really want to do it, you're going to figure out a way to make it happen. You know, and I'm, and I'm here to guide you. I'm here to kind of guide you on what to do. So, yeah, definitely um, always open to helping and paying, paying it for where I can. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, going back to that 10 years from now thing, you know, do you see yourself having a full production house and, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you know, getting getting your your business infrastructure in a row so that things become maybe more standard. You know, you can cook off these movies, you know, a year at a time. Um, what, how, how are you looking at building a business around, you know, your creativity? Um, so, so, you know, we're starting there right now. It's, um, uh, we're actually getting some Be- getting Becky on DVD as well to uh, put in some different stores and things. Um, there's still a good okay. community people who love buying things and having things on discs. So um, you know, and and that all helps helps lead to our um, lead to our next movie as well. And so you know, um, I would love to have a production house in about three different three different sound stages because even with the sound stages, we're not shooting; we can rent them out. So I, w- I would love to have 
this a little plot of land with with um just some different sound stages where we can make our stuff and where stuff can be made as well. And so um and so those those, those are indeed some of my goals uh, ten years down the line. So just in my own production mm-hmm. house making the making the the movies and if not we'll you know just our official office you know some things like that. So that that's definitely where I see us headed. Can we talk a little bit about politics? Because, you know, there's been a lot of attention paid to Georgia for some of the laws they've passed, and a lot of people have, a lot of big-name production people have decided that they don't want to work there um, because they feel it puts their women's staff and actresses um, at risk for, abuse or at least not being treated equal to men um you know when do you i guess i want to know what's your perspective on that you know it's you know you're a black filmmaker so there's there's a whole other thing but then on the other hand atlanta is probably the business mecca for black businesses and black creatives um you know the the does any of that play into, you know, what do you think about that? You know, like I may, I may have a TV show that I might be helping out on, and I don't, I don't know if I want to work in Georgia given the political climate and how women are treated or have been codified in law as second-class citizens. And, and I don't mean to ask you this to put you on the spot, but I'm just curious, yeah. as, as a business owner and a creative, you know, what, what your perspective might be. And, and I, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but I, I am curious yeah. because it's different well, up here. Yeah, well, you know, I think, and, um, you know, um, the governor runner of Stacey Abrams, she's, you know, going around trying to convince the businesses to stay and fight and things. You know, um, you know that that's they're, they're free to leave. You know, there's, there's laws, all sorts of stuff. You know, there's um, the Blue Lives Matter law that Obama signed that I don't necessarily agree with, you know, that protects cops and sure. shoot innocent black people, you know, things like that. that, that that's uh, unfortunately, that's the type of corrupt country we live in. You know, there's so many layers to it and things. I think, um, I think that, you know, this is a situation where, you know, Georgia, you know, Georgia needs to take this as a lesson to really invest in their local filmmakers, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, really the only real prominent locally grown guy here is Tyler Perry. You know, he, he's the only yeah. one. And then, you know, he's sure. not going anywhere. But, you know, the problem is you brought in all these people from other parts of the country, you know, like yourself. You know, you don't have a vested interest in the people in Georgia like that. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, right. you know those people are naturally going to leave, and naturally so. But if you're I, – I think – I think things like this need to lead, you know, should lead states and lead cities really to invest locally instead of trying to outsource and bring people in because, you know, um, there's people here regardless, you know, people here who could use those jobs, you know, that that, that the film industry provides. You know, I I go down, I drive by um, a lot of times by uh, the labor house. There's a lot of black men in there every morning just hoping for a job, just hoping to make maybe like 50 bucks a day, you know, and then right. I look at some of these film salaries, you know, I'm like, that's opportunity right there. If we would just invest in some in, in local filmmakers, you know, and then when things get tough from our crazy governor who's not, you know, he's not a good governor. Kim's not a nice guy at all. You know, I'm just, this is, I, I mean, not, I, and in fact, I, I protested Governor Kemp on, on uh, Georgia Film Day, you know, just uh, kind of okay. making him aware and the people there aware to um, support the black filmmakers who are here. You know, there's a lot of those incentives 
for Georgia, you know, they, they go to major studios. They're not really made for smaller companies. You know, and you could say, well, look at all the jobs it's bringing in. But, yeah, but look as soon as this idiot governor passes a law, everybody who's not from here wants to leave. Now, if you, now right. if you grow, you know, your, your local people, well, that's, that's probably not going to happen because they're going to understand, like, you know, the governor is not Georgia. No, the, the governor, I mean, Georgia is these people, is the people. And that's who we're focused on. You know, Tyler Perry is one of those people as well. You know, so I, I guess, you know, long story, to make, making a short story long, you know, um, if you're investing in people, that, that, that's the best way to skirt an idiot governor. And who knows, you know, down the road, these people who you're giving these great jobs to, now they're in power. Now they can exercise some political might and oust the bad guys and put in the right people so you won't even have to worry about controversies like these. Yeah, yeah. And then the other part, you know, obviously you're a black filmmaker. Um, it, you know, do you, see, do you see opportunities for you that, I mean, obviously you're not going to get the same opportunities as Sony you know, or Paramount or, or, or even Tyler Perry. But, but in terms of the ease with which you can conduct business, um, has it been pretty favorable? You know, I, the bigger issues like the governor and all of that aside. But just as, a, as an entrepreneur, what's, what's, the, uh, what's, the, what's the environment like for you as an entrepreneur, you know, the, is it helpful? Is it not helpful? Could you, you know, do, are you finding that you're being ignored for big ticket studios or things like that? Um, and and I know that's a little unfair to try to level the two different things because you're you're obviously in two different kind of ballparks. But but for you, um, are you seeing it's it's still pretty easy for you to do what you need to do? Are you seeing uh, restrictions that are giving you a pain in the ass or anything like that? Uh, you know, <clears throat> and we you know we're just going into the entrepreneurial part, not the movies done and yeah. things like that. I really haven't um, it really hasn't been anything you know too. It really hasn't been a hindrance, but I wouldn't say there's been anything that's been a huge necessarily huge boost either you know I'm, I'm still learning about you know how to reach different audiences things like that um i think being a black filmmaker especially in the horror genre helps you stand out you know i i i would definitely you know I, i'd be lying if i if i didn't say that um you know there's there's jordan peele and that's pretty much it you know but he's not putting out a movie every year he's not putting out a horror short like we are to go with his horror movie you know, he's not he's not just exploring the crazy like I do, like Becky, you know, evil white woman attacking everybody, <laughs> you know, so there's not, you know, he, he's he's doing a whole different section of genre, which is great. I love Jordan Peele, but, um, you know, he's doing a whole different section. So for us, it, it's a chance to stand out. It's a chance to surprise some people because pe- one thing, people don't quite know how to take it, you know, and, and I like that because that generates that generates some interest. You know, um, a lot of other a lot of other pieces of media, especially when it comes to black media, you are you kind of already know what you're gonna get. You know what I'm saying? But we, you know, there's the package. You know what you're gonna get. With us, it's a lot different. So I um, I, I think it has been. I think it's been a help. And um, as we continue, as we go to different conventions and different uh, stores and sell our product, um, I think it's gonna help even more being a black uh, creative black filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And and what do you think your profile is like right now? I mean, um, are you known by you know, you know? I guess it's. I know it's kind of hard to judge being inside of you, but you know, do you do you think that you have a little bit of visibility now that 
now that you've got your first feature under the belt, um, uh, it's hard to judge, but I'm going to ask you to try to judge it. You know, what are people saying about you, if you know anything? Um, you know, are, are you getting your name and, and your works out there enough so that you, you can keep that steady climb upward to bigger and bigger and bigger um, projects? Well, well, right now I don't think we're quite doing just enough. And, like, you know, again, it's just going back to me just learning, just now learning marketing. You know, um, what's interesting sure. is we are getting people to buy, you know, people have bought the movie with no advertising. So, you know, people have gone online and done that. So that's very cool. Um, so I'm, I'm interested, you know, as we uh, enter August, as we end July and get into August, I'm really going to start to see more of the opinions of what people think because we're going to, again, we're going to have the advertising more, the preview, the trailer is going to be in front of a larger audience, you know, that we're paying for and stuff like that for them to watch. So, um, you know, people know, people know about us and what we're doing. Um, I think just the more momentum and the more energy we put into, more people are going to consume it and we're going to get more feedback. Very cool. Um, I, I'm kind of curious. How did you How did you meet Jarvis? Did you meet him at a convention, or did you know about him? Did you know about BlackScienceFictionSociety.com before? I did. Um, yeah. So I met him. I met him there at a LitCon down in Miami. You know, we were just talking. Um, you know, um, he has projects and things. I was. You know, um, and so I was telling about what we were doing. Uh, he bought Becky. Um, uh, shout out to Jarvis supporting us and things like that. Shout out to everybody that's supporting us. And um, so, so that was very cool. And he told me about um, you guys here and said, hey, you want to come on? And we just went from there. Um, he's a good guy. Um, I can ask him about anything. Recently I was asking him about figurines that I was looking at, including with the DVD, um, you know, just with, through 3D printers and stuff. So he, he knows a lot. Um, the, he, he's just full of information and good sense, and so he's a good guy. I was glad to meet him down in Miami. Yeah, did you, did you did you did he mention that uh he's doing a 3D animated movie um Earth Squadron? No, he did not. Oh wow. Oh man. Oh, well go to earthsquadron.com when we're done. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I I I was um I was fortunate enough to be asked to write the script and I wrote the script from Jarvis's short story and they've been working on it for for a couple years now. Jarvis even has, uh, he's put together uh, kind of a small working editing studio um, out, of a, out of a trailer, you know, oh, made that's cool. out of a trailer. And so, mm. you know, he's got the computers in there and stuff like that. Um, and, and one of the things that he really wants to do is to be able to support independent filmmakers um, as much as possible who who you know ostensibly are members of blacksciencefictionsociety.com so yeah he's he's working on that that's a full feature movie and it's uh, 3D animated um a lot of the 3D figures and ships and things like that are done by by other people from the site uh, uh Alonzo and it just a, it's it's a i guess it's a it's a collaborative Endeavor by people from BlackScienceFictionSociety.com. So yeah, there's an affinity there too, um, and and then of course you know the the goal for for this show, Jarvis books, black creatives in science fiction, fantasy, and horror in all kinds of different 
um, mediums, you know, whether it be comic books or art or music or movies or television or what have you. So the, the, the community is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think one of the big things that I, I really am pleased to watch is that BlackScienceFictionSociety.com has been around for 10 years. And there's, right. there's a ton of people both here on the site and then also populating the various uh, pages on Facebook that are related. And out of all of those people, you're sure to find somebody who's either done something that you've never had so that you can, you can ask a question or, or maybe have experiences that, that can augment your own. And that's uh, so, you know, it, it's nice to know that one is not alone. Let me ask you this. Have you thought about doing other than movies? Have you thought about doing um, like a web series or, or maybe writing for television? Or is it kind of early in your career to be looking at getting away from doing the thing that you, you know, you've done so well at the very beginning, you know, with Becky doing features? You know, um, I've thought about a comic book. I'm actually working with a guy, you know, doing some character design. On a on a comic book, so I've I've looked into that. I've thought briefly about TV, you know, just different things pop into my head. So so maybe you know, um, just primarily right now, it's just about you know releasing, just uh, really getting out the word about Becky and things. But they, you know, who knows, man? You know, I'm a, I'm a creative, so it, you know, my interest spans all sorts of media. So there's no telling. There's there's no telling where it's gonna go. Yeah. Yeah, and, and then if you were going to, let's say, you know, somebody said, hey, we've got a bunch of aspiring filmmakers, you know, in, in, in high school age, um, would you come and talk to them? And, and if, you, if you said yes, what kind of advice would you give them? Man, I would just give them, you know, you know uh, and it sounds so cliche, but follow your heart, honestly. Follow what you want to do because there's so – one, you know, life is too short to not do it. And two, there's always going to be somebody saying why you shouldn't do something. It, it, literally anything. There's always going to be somebody saying you shouldn't be doing that. And really it's because you're doing something that they are not able to do. That's what it is. They see it in you. You know, so if they say you can't do it, it's really up to you to prove if, if, if it's right, if that's right or wrong. Are they right or are they saying some, something fictional? You know, and it took me a while to understand that, but once I did, I was able to accomplish um, the things we were able to with uh, finishing Becky and launching Frightbox features. You know, I, I just honestly stopped caring what people thought. I, it, it just didn't matter to me anymore. So I would tell them that. I mean, obviously, you know, use common sense if your parents say you should do something. I mean, obviously, but you know, um, it's, you know, just um, you know, just follow that passion. Really, really follow that passion that burns inside you, because that passion, that burning. That, that that desire is what's going to keep you when things get rough. Well, and the, and you know the fact of the matter is the tools to accomplish these tasks have gotten less and less expensive. I mean, right? You know, if 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 you get a, a fairly medium powered computer, you can still do film editing. You can do a lot of things that that even you know ten years ago would have been priced out of range of most people. And now today, you know, you you know, even if you use some of the the cheaper Apple tools, or you, you know, you splurge for the uh, the Adobe Suite or something like that, there's there's a lot of opportunity that's available, so people can can be like a a, a single person production house. 
How did you get started? I mean, you know, you, you wrote the script. Did, do you have the accoutrement, you know, cameras, lights, things like that? Do you rent them? Do you buy them? I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's not overly expensive if you, if you know how to economize, but, but when you were looking at, you know, doing Becky, how did you put everything together? Because it, it can be expensive, even though you, you, you already said that you didn't spend a ton of money. Yeah, so there's a, um, a uh, site called ShareGrid. Um, I just got a light from there and one or two other little things. Um, uh, my DP, the director of photography, actually had a lot of the equipment. He had a smoke machine, he had all sorts of stuff. That's the, that, that's the one thing. Be friends with people who have equipment. I don't have any. I don't have any equipment. You know, um, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's just me. I hire the people and they bring their equipment. <laughs> I don't. The, what I have is Premiere and I have and I have Final Cut. I have Premiere and Final yeah. Cut, and that's it, man. You know, um, so the one I have the program to start it and the program to finish it. You know, the equipment and stuff. It's um, there. There's there, that's a whole other thing. What's interesting is the DPU of me finished Becky earlier this year. He showed me a bunch of new equipment that he got. I'm like, yeah, we're 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 gonna make the divine. <laughs> you know, we're, we're definitely gonna do this with all the stuff you got, man. This is incredible. This is some. He's got all sorts of new toys and gadgets. So, you know, it's, um, I really just go to those people. And, again, it goes back to those, building those relationships. you got those good relationships. People will happily bring that stuff out for you, and you'll be surprised what you can make happen um, paying nothing for equipment, just beating whoever shows up maybe, you know, 50 bucks for them for the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so uh, if you were, you know, we already talked about the best part of what you could you know, tell somebody else, what, what are some of the pitfalls that you want to warn, you know, people who are new to the, um, I guess, the industry or, or new to movie making? What are some of the things that you would definitely want to tell them to avoid, uh, you know, so that they don't get, uh, they, don't, they don't basically put themselves behind the eight ball? Well, I would say think a self-contained movie. Start off small with a self-contained movie. I would just go ahead and make a feature. You know, I don't believe in, oh, do a short film, then graduate. No, 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 no. Is he going to do it or you're not? Is he going to do it or you're not? You know, and so right. I would make it as self-contained as I can, make it as few characters as I can. You know, th- those, are, those are some of the things that I would definitely do. Um, uh-huh. and, you know, so avoid, so avoid too many faces out there, you know, under you that you got to do. And, um, you know, um, and also, what else? What else would I say don't do? Um, don't not, don't be so rigid and by the book, you know. And, again, that goes back to what I said earlier, you know, about it's not always going to look the way you think it should. You know, be, do not be that rigid, it's my way or the highway person. Don't be that person. You know, that that's a big thing because then your actors and actresses are going to lock up. They're not going to feel like they, it's a safe space for them to perform anymore. Be patient. They, you know, they're, they're thespians. They, they like to perform and stuff. Just let them give, give them that space for a minute, you know. Um, that, that, those are some of the things I would say. Sure, sure. Um, <clears throat> I, you know, it, it, it's a fascinating industry. And like I said, I've, I've dabbled around the edges of it. Um, I, but I'm I'm very fortunate. The first four scripts that I wrote got filmed, and that's that's kind of cool. You know, yeah, I pick my battles, but but to to be able to say you know to be able to say that um, is 
I feel pretty good about that. Um, although YouTube blocked one of them. <laughs> Damn them. Oh, no. Um, because, <laughs> well, yeah, we use Tone Lokes, uh, uh, uh. The, uh, the bass riff. So, yeah. It's a wild thing. Um, and, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think once I get famous, if that happens, I'm going to contact uh, the publishing company and say, hey, give me a letter that says I have uh, permission to use this in the trailer and I'm going to put it back up. But it's a trailer for <laughs> a, a comedic bank heist movie. And I had a lot of fun doing that um, because, it, it, you know, I've got the script ready to go, got call sheets, got all of that. It's just that it's going to cost a lot to do it because we want to do it very, very professionally. We want to do it in Chicago. Oh, we want to film in that building, that Willis Tower. Actually, it's the Sears <laughs> Tower. <laughs> and, oh, and something that freaked me out. They've got this box that hangs off the side of the building, and it's got a glass floor, and oh, it's uh, way up in the 90 floors. And, and oh, I yeah, went yeah. up there. I went uh, and and they said that the, the 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 floor was cracking somewhere, and so I went up there and I could not step out onto that glass. I really mm. couldn't. I mean, and and I it, it, I knew it was irrational because you know there were some big fat excuse me some very large people, you know, pressed up against the glass on that on that thing, and you know <laughs> I said, well if it'll hold all of them, it'll hold me. But it just wasn't rational. And you know when I when my foot kind of edged over to get onto the glass, um, I have to admit that uh, my testicles drew up in my body and said, uh-uh, no, no. <laughs> but, but one of the scenes I want to film is going to be in that building, and it's going to call for a helicopter. And, you know, all of these things are expensive. And, oh, man, I'd love – if I had $2 million, I'd go ahead and do the movie. I'd do the movie, and I think it would be good because it's very fun. But – who yeah. don't give, you know, a Japanese Negro sci-fi writer, you know, $2 million <laughs> just to do a movie. I don't think that's right. going to be happening anytime soon. <laughs> um, when, uh, do you see yourself having to try, I mean, you know, eventually you're going to get to the point where you're going to have to look at larger budgets and things like that. Uh, have you read about how to get that kind of funding? Are you getting a feel for it? Um, what and what's the what's the money like down in Atlanta for an independent like you? You know, do you have to raise things, you know, from friends and 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 you know try to economize wherever possible? But or is there? Do you think there is some capital down there to help independent filmmakers like you get things done? I would say that there are, um, kind of. You know, I've heard some people say that the money for that's dried up, like, at least three years before I got here. You know, there's a few other people want to put in money. You know, I, I think with anything, you have to put out something first, which is what we've done. And then from there, it's just um, creating a package for your next film and just uh, kind of shopping it. You never know who's an investor. There's just random people who would just love to put in $500 for a movie. You know, you just kind of got to... It's on you to just kind of look around and discover and find out who those people are. Um, you know, there's people, there are people in your community. Um, you can always try to go to Sundance, um, places like that, where there's people who are willing to invest in stuff. And and Sun, I mean, it's you know, the actual festival costs money, but you know, you fly out to Utah, just walking around these different parties, kind of talk your way into it to getting some stuff done. Um, so just just 
think outside the box, really. You know, there's things that you don't know that you don't know about, you know, and it just takes research. It takes going to different film festivals and events. It takes different networking. But, um, you know, you, you eventually you'll find someone. And just as far as our money, you know, for the next films, um, I'd like to keep it at around the low, low six figures, like 100000 so we could actually turn a profit. Because, you know, at, sure. at, you know at, our, at our money, you know, what I spent for Becky, we, we can definitely turn a profit on that. You know, that's, that's, that's 1,200 people buying a $10 DVD, you know, to break even. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, that, so that's not yeah. too bad, you know. So, um, so I, I'd like to keep it around 100 k but um, but I mean, who knows? You know, he come and give, and give us that. The point is just you know to be ready with our own stuff. Yeah, here in Chicago, or excuse me, here in Illinois, um, I think this is still in force that uh, any any production that spends over a hundred thousand dollars in Illinois, you get a fifteen percent tax credit, and people oh, wow. are selling those tax credits and getting like 90 cents on the dollar and sometimes getting some really good startup money, um, that's also a pretty good incentive to show to, you know, to give to a funder. You know, who, who wouldn't want to have, you know, $15,000 in tax credits just in case, you know? Um, right. And I think, yeah, and, and so that does make it a little bit easier. I think there's also, I think there's also a rebate, a, a tax credit rebate for, for five thousand or fifty thousand dollars too, so I mean yeah. a lot of okay. states are making the taxing attractive, so that people yeah. can um, people can get you know things done. People you know people will come to the city. Um, I think the first big movie that Chicago had, where Chicago played a part, was like a a, a part in the movie. Um, was the Blues Brothers. You know, they shot a lot of it right. here. And mm-hmm. um, while, they, while they, you know, use the city quite a bit, um, they're, you know, they, people, people were kind of, it was cool to me because I knew all of the locations, like where they, where they had the Illinois Nazis having their rally was right behind the Museum of Science and Industry, you know, in a park that I mm. used to play tennis in, we used to hang out in, we used to, um, uh, we used to watch people who were on, uh, who were altering their state <laughs> at the yeah. park. But yeah, but, but I mean, you know, and, and there's so much going on in Georgia. Um, I mean, The Walking Dead is still filming there, right? I'm sure it is. Yeah, yeah, down from Noia, yeah. Uh-huh. And, and they did... Uh, didn't they do a, a large part of Black Panther there too? They did. Yeah, they shot a lot of it. Tyler Perry Studios actually had his new studios. A lot of people ran out, and so yeah, yeah, that was very cool. I know a few people who were extras and a part of that. Yeah. So I mean, a lot of these states are are trying to make it attractive to to draw the movie industry there. Um, you know, we have, uh, I think Harpo Studios is still Harpo Studios here, Oprah's, where Oprah used to shoot yeah. a show. You know, and, right. and they're building a new complex on the southwest side of Chicago that's going to be yeah. film-related stuff. So, I mean, would you consider ever coming up to Chicago and, and maybe uh, doing, a, doing a movie here? Because I'd love to watch. Oh. I don't want to bother you, but, I, you know, I do like to see how things work. <laughs> 
Yeah, man. Um, I, I would love to come up. You know, there's a, there's a lot of different places where I want to shoot, and you know, and then um, different seasons, far different stories and things. I actually have like an urban kind of early '90s horror short with um two black with a black couple that I've that I've kind of wanted to do. So you know, I, maybe maybe that maybe Chicago's the place to shoot that. I would love to do that, man. You know, um, yeah. If somebody somebody just put places. in somebody just put in the the chat room that Buffalo. I guess that's in New York. Yeah, Buffalo, New York has has uh, tax credits now too. So yeah, yeah people are recognizing when you're making a movie and you're spending three hundred million dollars, you know, uh, uh, shooting a portion of that movie in your city can really impact the local economy. You know, because not only are they shooting in that city, but you know, they're they're employing people, and those people have to buy food, groceries, hotel rooms, whatnot. So, I mean, that's fun to think of. By the way, are you going to Dragon Con this year? Are you going to be uh, stopping by at all? Later in October? Uh, possibly, possibly. Possibly going. No, Dragon Con uh, is Labor Day. Labor Day, well, so what? In well, Atlanta. There's something in October. I'm thinking, I'm thinking something else. I'm oh, that's, that's Multiverse Con. Con. Yeah, that's on my birthday. Multiverse, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm I, sorry. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. Because there's like three that I, well, four that I know of. They made MomoCon around that time. July this weekend, actually, is Atlanta Comic Con. Um, and then, um, um, and then um, there's actually an Onyx Con in August. And then um, MultiCon October. Yeah, there, there's a ton. But, um. Um, it's probably probably a little, probably uh, a little too close, but I, I want to get out there. I want to get out there. Um, I'm actually going to be a part of. Um, and I'll just let y'all know. Uh, just uh, Comic Con um, uh, coming up uh, next week out, out in San Diego. I'm helping uh, a friend film, and he wants to get some filming done uh, with some a project he's trying to do out there. So I'm an extra set of hands. I have a press pass to Comic Con. So. I'm excited about that, and so I'm, I'm I'm looking to jump in. I'm looking to jump into different cons, man. It's it's a lot of fun. Well, you do meet a lot of like-minded people, and you, you never do, know what you kind do. of creatives you're going to run into. Um, you know, right? Uh, Jarvis Jarvis is putting together this year again the diversity track for Dragon Con. This will be the second year that the diversity track has been implemented or or been put together for Dragon Con, and I'm not sure who his special guests are going to be. I'm going to try to be there. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to make it. I, I want to be there. But, um, you know, the, the nice part about Dragon Con is that's 85,000 people. Exactly. Sorry, there's a lot of interference. There, that's like 85,000 people who you know, might have an opportunity to see you for whatever reason, you know, either in right. a panel discussion or what have you. Um, and that kind of visibility is great. Have you considered maybe adapting Becky to, you know, like a comic or a graphic novel, anything like that? Um, I'm are, glad are you, you asked that at I have. Possibilities, yeah, of transmedia, you know, turning all of your, your properties into transmedia properties available in different formats. Um, I actually have what, yes. I I would love that. I would love to um do a do a um do a graphic probably a graphic novel. Uh, um, yeah. 
and and again, you know, um, th- this is me again. This is part why I want to go out to Comic Con too. Reach out to some people. I my art skills, my drawing skills are very minimal, so um, <laughs> it would be great to link up with um, a, a really talented artist and just kind of put that together. I was watching um, a guy, Matthew Godoy, who does who's with Black Sands Publishing, just kind of walking people through on how to make a and create you know a physical copy of a graphic novel. So. I would love to get with somebody on that, you know, um, somebody who's seen the movie and understands what it's about and really br- uh, bring that to life uh, in that medium. Yeah, yeah, somebody in the in the chat room, I'm, I'm not keeping track of who's who, but yeah, the, the <laughs> diversity track had, had a great reputation last year. Um, we, had, uh, we had panel discussions on, you know, obviously uh, multi-race uh, issues, um, we had, you know, uh, the 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 disabled. We had women issues. We had we had all kinds of things that went on. We had cosplay. Um, we even had uh, art nights where where people were drawing and and painting. Um, it, it, what's cool is for me, you know, it was Jarvis who made me go to my first convention because to me. The way it sounded was, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, that's just what I want to do. I want to go to a convention and sit at a table and try to sell my damn books. And right. you know, that, <laughs> there was nothing fun about that to me. There was nothing there. But then he got me, uh, he got me uh, situated with somebody who put me in half a dozen panel discussions and even moderating some at uh, Worldcon. Which is pretty big, mm. you know. There's a lot of people there. I, I, uh, I got to pull my George R. R. Martin joke. Uh, I, I think I mentioned it before. I ran up. Uh, I saw George R. R. Martin walking down the hall with a couple people, and so I ran up to him and I said, "Man, that is the best George R. R. Martin cosplay costume I've seen in the whole convention. Thank you very much. Can I get a picture?" <laughs> and, and so, you know, they cracked up at that. But you never know who you're going to run into, and and so that's right. the cool thing for somebody like you starting out. You don't know who you're going to run into. You don't know who might be there to, um, you know, to to make that connection. So that's that's the kind of cool thing for me. It wasn't me. I haven't, as a matter of fact, I, if I've sold any books at all, maybe I've sold at the most a dozen books at all of the conventions I've been in. But I've never got a table or anything. It's just people go, hey. Uh, I heard about your book. Uh, do you happen to have any? And I go, well, hmm. yes. I just happen to have a couple in my room. So, yeah, <laughs> that's kind of cool. Um, and uh, again, you know, you've got you've got a great property in Becky, and I'm going to download it after we uh, get off the phone here and um, take a look at it. Uh, because, you know, the coolest part for me in doing this show is meeting creatives who I never, ever, 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 ever would have met otherwise. And, and you're, you're just one in a, in a string of those. But one of the things I like is, you know, you're fairly young. You jumped out. You decided, well, I'm going to do my first feature, and you went and did it. <clears throat> and, and a lot of people just don't realize that although you made it sound excuse me, you made it sound fairly simple. It's not. There are so many moving parts to to making a movie that people just have no idea. So my kudos to you for getting that done. Thank you, man. Thank you. I appreciate I, it. Um, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, man. Just 
<laughs> but but it's fun though. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I well, you wouldn't do it if it wasn't fun. I mean, if it was yeah. like uh, you know hemorrhoids or something, nobody would do it. But, <laughs> but it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool sitting at your chair and going, you know, I've got an idea for a script. And then a year or two later, you're sitting there and you've got a DVD in your hand and there's your script. You've got your, your director notes. You've got all this stuff going on. And, and it, it's the journey, I think, that, that is probably the most fun for a creative. I mean, is it that way for you? It is, man. You know, the same when you travel, getting there to have the fun. And that, that, that's definitely, definitely, man. Like I said, especially when I'm sitting in the edit bay, that, that's my favorite part. Um, but but just, just the journey from really just something in your head to putting it out on, like I said, on that final copy. And it, it, it is it's beautiful to see. If, um, if you, well, do you have anything that you want to say in particular to the audience about what you do that we haven't covered? You know, we've got about we got uh, about ten minutes left. But I mean, is there anything that we haven't covered that that you think is important about who you are and and what you do um, that you would like to impart to to the audience? Well, I guess for me, you know, um, I, I I I just like being a service to people. You know, um, I, I made Becky for a lot of different reasons. You know, to show myself that I could do it. You know. Um, we put out something that I thought was a um, would be hot and a good reflection of what I wanted to say and things like that. But really, it was also just for the people too to give a lot of different people an opportunity. Whether it was uh, whether it was our DP David King or Lisa Revere, my assistant director. You know, a lot of these people just needed an opportunity and a chance. You know, uh, Jalen Lovemore, um, who's now my AD on a lot of some of my upcoming projects. He'll be the AD for uh, the Divine. You know, he he's a guy out of Morehouse. He's 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 wrapping up in Morehouse right now. You know, so just to give those people a, a, a chance, and and that that's a university, that all black male college here in Atlanta. If people don't know, but um, you know, just giving people people like that a shot is what I really like more than anything. And so, um, that's really why I make the movies. And so, you know, when you guys give you know, frightboxfeatures.com, frightboxfeatures.com, um, every time you buy a movie. It goes and helps us make the next one, so that we can bring in more people who want, who want to get better, who want to learn, and hopefully these will be the next stars. You know, um, I grew up watching Showtime at the Apollo. I used to like that. And they, you know, they would. This is where yeah. they, that was like the stage. You know, where people would come and stars were born. You know, so I kind of want mine to be like the Apollo, where, where you know, the next person you hear about, you know, they came through. They came through us. You know, and so. You know, just um, a, a lot of stuff like that is just a lot of things I want to accomplish with um, with the horror label. A lot of different things I want to do with black characters and black stories with the horror genre, and you're gonna see that here coming up in the next months and the next years. Well, you know, I do have a I, I have a small favor to ask, and that is, you know, uh, next year presumably if I get this ankle bracelet off and I can travel more. Um, you know, yeah. perhaps you could find a little a cameo spot where I could be, you know, sitting in the background or something like that. Um, yeah, I, man. I, I, I guarantee you I will not be as stiff, no acting, <laughs> no talent person like Stephen King when they put him in every single one of his, his movies. That, I mean, I feel bad for the guy because <laughs> obviously he's got a creative mind. And and he has written some pretty popular stuff, but like I I think it was about a month and a half ago, 
I rewatched The Stand, and he played a part in one of those. And uh, you know, normally I don't like to call people out, but that dude is no acting. I at least act better than than uh, than Stephen King. Um, if you uh, let's see, no, I'm not. I don't think I'm in any. Uh, no, the one the one trailer that I'm in. Uh, like I said, YouTube made it private because <laughs> because we used that bass beat <laughs> from Wild Thing. Um, I gotta I gotta get that back out there because it, it was a lot of fun to do, and it's a comedic yeah. bank heist movie. It's called The Chicago Job. Um, uh, hey, if you ever want to produce somebody else's movie, I got a comedic movie that you might like to do, and then I'll help you scare up the money to do it. Um, that I think that it'll be fun. We'll, well, we'll talk later, you know, because I do want to keep in touch. And I also, yeah, when you get close to getting the, um, uh, the the next movie, you know, like once you have the the trailer done, go ahead and post it up. Get back in touch, you know. Uh, leave a note at BlackScienceFictionSociety.com so people can go check out the trailer because you never know when somebody's going to look at that and say, you know, I could I could toss a, a couple hundred that way to get this done. You know, you know what I mean? Exactly, man. That's what it's about. Just um, you know, just going places like this and growing growing the audience and you know, like you said uh, earlier, just letting people know that hey, there is somebody out there that feels like me or. Hey, there's somebody putting out something that I've been wanting to see. So yeah, yeah, it's very cool. So I mean, once we're done, and once you know, just every every update, you know, we're gonna try and keep in touch with you guys. And definitely, once the trailer comes out, we'll come back and let you guys know. Like you know, um, fall is coming up. I'm I'm very excited about a lot of the stuff that we have coming. Very cool. Very cool. Well, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, my allergies are killing me. Uh, man, it's that time of the year, man. Mine too. It really is, you know. <laughs> and uh, I used to it used to just be in the fall. Now the fall doesn't bother me. It's it's like the grass allergy. My 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 yeah. sensitivity is is to grass, which is really too bad because we're legalizing recreational marijuana January first. <laughs> that's so right. I, I hope that I hope that that's not going to be affected by my allergies at all. Not that I, you know, I back in the day I wasn't really a drug abuser, but I did like the way one or two of them smelled. Uh, that's all I'll say yeah. about that. So um, <laughs> I want to thank, man. You know, Lane, it's been great. I hope you enjoyed your time here. Uh, this has been a great I interview. It, I really enjoyed having you. Um, and, and for those of you who are listening, it's it's Lane Fobbs, and you said the the website is um, frightboxfeatures.com. Is it just all one word like that? That's right. Uh huh. All one word. Frightboxfeatures.com. Um, my Instagram is Fobbs F O B B S Fobbs the Chairman Fobbs the Chairman, um, and Frightbox Features on Instagram as well. Um, but yeah, Frightboxfeatures.com. You can check out our movies there and all of our goodies and stuff that we've got. And keep up with the progress on the new ones, right? Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that, that's um, your father's the chairman and Frightbox Features. Yes, definitely keep up. Um, just my adventures across the country and meeting people like you and different experiences and stuff like that. And it's really just the journey of a, of a, of a filmmaker on this indie hustle lifestyle. Well, you know, one of the cool things you can do is, you know, when you know you're traveling to a venue, if you're going to a, con uh, a convention or something like that, 
post it up in the events calendar on blacksciencefictionsociety.com because people do go there and you know want to check out, oh, is something happening in my town? Is somebody going to be here? Oh, so-and-so is going to be at DragonCon. Let me make sure, you know, make a note to go and see them, you know, to try to, to meet up with them. So let people know where you're traveling because it, it's a good way to meet you know, not only fans, but potential fans and even potential funders. So if you, if you know you're going to be at, well, you said you were going to be at uh, Comic-Con, right, in San Diego? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Give, mm-hmm. give people an opportunity and say, hey, uh, let, me, let me hook up with you and maybe we'll have lunch and we could talk about, you know, your, your, your slasher ladies or, or your crazy-ass <laughs> white woman or, you know, what, what, whatever it is that trips their trigger. Um, so anyway, I, I want to thank you for being here. This is great, man. This is really easy. Um, this is, uh, I, I like when I have people who are really interesting and people who do cool things. Um, thank you for coming by. Uh, we'll, we will have you back in the future when you have you know, something else going on because you know, obviously what we want to do is we want to publicize memberships, you know, products, doings, films, books, what have you, so that, you know, we can we can support each other and keep each other doing what it is that we love to do. So thank you very much for being here. Yeah, thank you guys for having me, man. Thank you so much. I, lo- I can't wait to do it again. Yeah, well, well, hold on after the recording. I want to ask you a couple questions. Um, and for those of you who are listening live, uh, what's new? I haven't gotten um, an update lately from Jarvis about Earth Squadron. I am kind of curious to see where that's at. Um, maybe Alonzo can can uh, can can type some things in at the next show. Um, I want to thank everybody who picks this up live because it's a lot of fun watching what goes on in the chat room. And I want to. Also, thank the people who pick this up as a podcast. A lot of people do that because they can't listen on a Friday night because, unfortunately, they don't have an ankle bracelet that weds them to their phone or their <laughs> keyboard. Um, <laughs> and uh, I want to thank the people who, who help support BlackScienceFictionSociety.com. Um, BSFS has been around for over 10 years, and in terms of the Internet, that's, that's a lifetime. You know, there are so many black sci-fi sites that have come and gone in that time. And in, in the day and age of Facebook, it's pretty cool that a separate site where you have better control and a better opportunity to showcase your memberships works, um, I think that that's a great thing that Jarvis has done to keep that going. Um, let's see. Obviously, I love people to listen to this show. I like them to show up live so I can see what's going on in the chat room. Yeah, sometimes I say something funny. Sometimes I say something that didn't, I didn't mean to be funny, but, you know, that's the way it is. The other thing, we have talked about it Tuesdays, a review show that's on Tuesday um, evenings. You can check that out. Look, at the, look for the particulars at blacksciencefictionsociety.com. It's a great website. For a number of reasons. First of all, there's art posted there. There's short stories posted there. There are links to videos, webisodes for shows, um, and and also at uh, TalkShoe at this site that we're at right now. There are over six years of podcasted shows 
um, six years, uh, I've been over six years. I've been doing this. It's kind of funny for me to say that. It's kind of the longest job I've ever had in radio without getting <laughs> fired. Um, well, you know, it happens. One time there was a, well, no, I don't even want to tell that story. Um, the statute of limitations may not have expired. So anyway, everybody, thank you very much for being here. Uh, I look forward to seeing everybody next year, next week. Um, I'm not sure who the guest is going to be, but uh, tune in. Um, keep an eye out on Facebook and BlackScienceFictionSociety.com to see uh, when Jarvis posts who the next guest is going to be. So on behalf of Jarvis, on behalf of everybody else, on behalf of, of, of everybody who makes this happen, and that includes the people who listen as well as the people who do some work behind the scenes, thank you for being here, and we will see you next week. Thank you very much, Lane. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.